Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. going on everybody welcome to hump day i mean wednesday's edition of Murph's boston sports talk i am your host james murphy and today i don't only have one well actually today i have actually in regards to talking about the celtics i actually have something good but not just one good thing to talk about i got two yeah believe it or not i have two good things to talk about the celtics but I will get to that in a few moments later. However, hopefully you're having a excellent midweek so far. It is hump day. We are halfway through the week. Hopefully this episode can get you through the rest of your day. Hopefully Friday's episode will get you through the whole week like Monday did at the beginning. Don't worry. I already did my proper sound check, so I am not recording through the computer's microphone. I am recording through mine, so the audios should be and is crisp, clean, clear, everything that you want in a professional podcast. I am recording again in Buffalo, New York, not in my studio. So bear with me as I'm trying to work these little kinks out here in a hotel room, motel, wherever the hell I am staying in. But yes, in regards to the Celtics, do have two good things to talk about. And I want to talk about the Hall of Fame first, and then I'll go into the game last night. So the 2021 uh, class for the NBA Hall of Fame, or just the Basketball Hall of Fame, as they call it, the list of the list of inductees came out yesterday, the day before, I believe it was. Uh, it was the day before, so it was on Monday. It came out afternoon on Monday, and I just want to talk about it now because we have some good things to talk about in regards to it. So, if you haven't seen the list already, there's like 10, 12 players, coaches, contributors that were inducted into the 2021 Hall of Fame, and two of them are former Celtics players, and I obviously want to talk about since they're Celtics players. One being Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce is a 10-time NBA All-Star from 2002 to 2006, and again from 2008 to 2012, and a 2008 NBA champion with the Boston Celtics. Throughout his career, he did play with the Celtics, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Los Angeles Clippers. However, in 2008, he was named the NBA's Finals Most Valuable Player. After 19 seasons in the NBA, Pierce ranked 9th all-time in free throws made and 3-point field goals made as well as 19th all-time in NBA scoring with 26,397 points. He was drafted by the Celtics and Pierce was named a member of the NBA All-Rookie Team in 1999. As a Kansas Jayhawk where he went to school, he was unanimous first-team All-American in 1998. 
With Inglewood High, Pierce was named California Mr. Basketball and a McDonald's All-American in 1995. His number 34 is retired by the Celtics and the Kansas Jayhawks. So Paul Pierce, more than deserving to be in the Hall of Fame. And I don't think it was really a question. A lot of people thought that it was in question, and I'm not exactly too sure why. He's top 20 all-time in NBA scoring. He's top 10 in free throws and three-pointers made. 10-time All-Star. He's a champion. He's a Finals MVP. I just think the resume is there. I mean, what more do you want from a player? I mean, early in his career, he was the dude was stabbed 11 times in an alleyway in Boston, and he continued. He played that season. He played all 82 games that season. So that just shows his toughness, his grit, and this is just well more than more than deserving for Paul Pierce. For those that had any question about Paul Pierce's Hall of Fame enshrinement, they should probably go pound some sand because they were well wrong with this one. Switching to the other inductee for the Celtics, we have Bill Russell. But pause. Bill Russell has been in the Hall of Fame since 1975. Yes, he has been as a player. However, in 2021, he's being inducted as a coach. So the NBA does it very um, odd where they'll induct a player for a player and they'll induct a coach as a coach. And if a player and a coach or if a person held the same position, player and coach, they will induct them twice. Tommy Heinsohn is in the Hall of Fame both as a player and then again as a coach and a bunch of other players and coaches as well. So anyways, Bill Russell, following the retirement of the legendary Boston Celtics coach Red Arbach in 1966, Bill Russell became the first black head coach in the NBA. In his second season as player coach, Russell led the Boston Celtics to the 1968 NBA championship thus becoming the first black head coach excuse me, to win an NBA title. The following season, Russell would again lead Boston to the NBA Finals and Championship, his 11th and final ring. With the Celtics, Seattle Supersonics, and Sacramento Kings, he compiled an NBA coaching record of 341 and 290, sporting a .540 winning percentage, with a playoff record of 34 and 27, a .557 winning percentage. As a player coach, Russell was named the Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year in 1968. Russell Russell was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame as a player in 1975, and obviously in 2021 he is being inducted as a coach. Honestly, his coaching resume kind of flies over because you kind of think of Red Arbeck as the coach during that time for the Celtics and you kind of slip about Bill Russell but you have to look at the facts that he was a really good coach I mean he has a winning percentage of over 500 in both the regular season and in the playoffs he was the first black NBA coach he was the first coach black coach to win a championship I think these are all incredible feats for Bill Russell and obviously not just as his not being a player but just looking at his coach which we're doing here I think this is very well deserving for him as well So just to recap really quickly, Paul Pierce being inducted in as a player and Bill Russell being inducted as a coach, more than uh, well-deserving for both of them. And I'm looking forward to their enshrinement and their ceremony next year, I think it is. I don't um, September September 11th, they will be inducted into the Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts, which I went to undergrad out there and I went to the Hall of Fame a few times. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's so fun. You don't have to love basketball or be an enthusiast of basketball you just kind of have to know what a basketball is honestly 
and you'll have a great time in there. It really is. It has a little bit of everything for everybody. But let's move over to the big game that the Celtics played last night. And going into this playing game, I did not want to talk about the Celtics at all. Deservingly so. I mean, you got to give me credit. Deservingly so. They lost, uh, let's see, let's see. How many games did they lose before the playing game? If I can only pull it up, standings. Here we go. They lost three of seven. I'm sorry, four of six going into the playing game. The Boston Celtics finished the season 36 and 36, sporting a 500 record. I didn't want to talk about that because they shouldn't be there. They should be closer to the top. Now, I'm not going to say first or second place because that's very challenging, especially with how the 76ers and the Nets have been playing this year. But three, four, five, that's where they should have been, not damn seven playing in the playing game. Come on. So anyways, they were in the playing game. It is what it is. So we got to talk about it. And the Boston Celtics did win 118-100 against the Washington Wizards, a.k.a. the Bullets. I'll probably be referring to them as the Bullets, their former name throughout this whole episode because I don't know. I think the Bullets is a cooler name than the Wizards, but it is what it is. So Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook throughout the entirety of the night did not play like themselves. And we know that for a fact because Bradley Beal only scoring 22 points. Russell Westbrook only scoring 20 points. I mean, 20 points for Russell Westbrook, I guess, is pretty solid. But 14 rebounds and only 5 assists? I think they'll take the 14 rebounds with the 5 assists. I mean, you're used to seeing this guy drop a triple-double basically night in and night out. Bradley Beal only scoring 22 points. I feel like you always hear about him on the news scoring 30, 40, 50 points for some odd reason. He's a tremendous scorer. But I think for the most part, the Celtics were really able to kind of lock him down and keep him at bay. But someone that the Wizards of the Bullets weren't able to keep at bay was Jason Tatum. My man, JT43. Jason Tatum dropped 55-0 points last night in 41 minutes. In a 48-minute basketball game, he played 41 minutes, and he had to. I will say if Jalen Brown was playing, obviously he's injured for six months now, but if he was playing, he'd probably play 40 minutes as well. Just a little side note. But Tatum, 50 points, 41 minutes. Unbelievable. It came out of nowhere. I will not lie. I was out at a restaurant for the first half of the game, so I didn't catch all of it. I saw a glimpse of it. And then I got home. I was editing the Buffalo Trip Vlog Part 2. Part 1's coming out soon. Part 2 is in the works right now. And honestly, it didn't feel like Jason Tatum was scoring 50 points. It was just a silent but deadly 50. But he did it, and he had to do it because, yes, the Celtics won by 18 points. But let's say he only gets 25 or 30. Well, if you do the math, you lost the game because now the Wizards have more points than you. Also, let's talk about other notables from the game. Evan Fournier, 8 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists in 36 minutes. Marcus Smart, 7.6 assists, 2 rebounds in 35 minutes. It was good to see him take a back seat in terms of the scoring. He was exceptional on defense, guarding Westbrook, guarding Beal, just really locking things down, letting the scorers do their thing. Hopefully, Marcus Smart can kind of get through his head his role on the team. Kemba Walker, good to see him perform 29.7 rebounds, 2 assists in 34 minutes. Kemba Walker really had his shot going. His stroke looked really good from beyond the arc. 
it seemed like, I mean, obviously I'm not going to look into it, but it seemed like every shot Kemba was taking from three, it was going in. Every shot was a good shot for him, and it's good to see him kind of get that under his feet because he is suspect to go on, you know, hot and cold, just like everyone else. But typically Kemba, especially on this team, because of the whole knee issue and, like, is the contract worth it for Kemba? He's a great locker room guy, but is a locker room guy really going to be worth 30 32 $34 million? No, but if you're going to get 30 points out of him, then, yeah, it's worth it. And then also Tristan Thompson, 12 points and 12 rebounds in 30 minutes. We also saw some good minutes from Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith getting some play. I mean, it's not technically a playoff game, but it is playoff-like minutes for them, which is actually really crucial. Rob Williams also got 14 minutes as well. So it was good to see Brad Stevens really shorten the bench up, but also give the young guys some playing time as well. I do believe that Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith are going to be the two guys moving forward. You may see Peyton Pritchard here and there. I don't really think so. He only had five minutes last night. But he is definitely one that you could kind of see him step in and out if needing a ball hander when Campbell Walker may not be in, Marcus Smart, or even Jason Tatum's not in the game. But as we go into the playoffs, one of them, probably two of them at all times, will be in that lineup. So Peyton Pritchard's use isn't really needed for the time being. Also, Grant Williams, Tremont Edwards, uh, Tremont Waters, excuse me, Carson Edwards, two minutes each. You're not going to see these guys in the playoffs at all. You may see Grant Williams a little bit for some reason. I mean, he's just another big guy, and with uh, Rob Williams, Tristan Thompson being your two main guys, I'd rather see Grant Williams than uh, Luke Cornett as that third big guy, if I'm just going to be honest. And I really don't want to see Tatum drop down to the power forward or even the center spot, even though he has that size to do so. Another thing that I noticed from this team last night, the Celtics, is they played together ball. And I'll explain that in a minute, but just looking at the Celtics and watching them last night, they seemed like they were a team. They seemed like they wanted to win, and they had that determination. I mean, you could obviously say that they wanted to win when you had Tatum dropping 50. But when I refer to together ball, what I'm saying is, like, there was no hero ball. There was no, like, oh, I'm just going to get the ball. I'm going to shoot it, and that's it. You can make that case for Tatum since he dropped 50, but the team let him drop 50. People were passing him the ball. They were letting him score. He was the hottest hand that whole night. He's hopefully will be a top 5, 10 player in this league. You know, right now you could probably say maybe top 20. You're going to let that kind of player do that kind of work, especially when they're so hot and they know, you know, what they need to do. So I'm glad that, you know, a player like Marcus Smart took a back seat. Evan Fournier even took a backseat, but he made some buckets when he had to. Kemba Walker almost dropped 30 with his 29. I don't think he took a backseat, but he definitely passed up some shots. So Tatum, who was the hot hand last night, could go off. And it just, whenever there was a player down, two guys were always running over to pick them up. After a, a foul and a bucket, and, you know, they get the and one. They're always high-fiving them. It's just like, that's what we've been missing, is that togetherness from the Celtics this whole year. They've been up and down. A lot of rumors about, you know, how Marcus Smart could be a cancer in the locker room. How is Evan Fournier, you know, gelling with the team? Is Tristan Thompson a problem? You know, is Kemba Walker not worth the $30 million just to be a locker room guy when you're losing by 20 to the Chicago Bulls? I think a lot of those questions, I don't want to say were answered last night, but you could totally see the fact that the Celtics, on their mind, was to win that game with the way they played. Now, it's against the Washington Wizards, which... You know, on the grand scheme of things, they should win. They should beat the Wizards. 
But on the other hand, they were super hot going into this game. The last 20, they were like 15 and 5, something some crazy like that. You can't discount good basketball. You can't. Just like in any sport, hot teams always have an advantage. And going into this game, the Wizards were 6-4, and four, so obviously they're playing a little bit better than you. But we look at the standings like a month ago. This team was towards the bottom, like 14th, 13th, 12th, where the Raptors, the Cavs, and the Magic are. That's where they were, and no one was talking about the Wizards sneaking into the playing games. But here they are. They were cruising. They won their last two games of the regular season to get to that playing game because if they lost them, they would probably be out, or at least the 10 seed. You had to give the Wizards credit. You had to, and you had to take them seriously because they had Bradley Beal, who is a dynamic scorer. You hear his name in rumors with a bunch of teams throughout the league in terms of possibly trading for him. Russell Westbrook, which people love to hate on him. I don't know why, but he's a triple-double machine, averaging a triple-double again this year. 10 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, triple-double. He had a cold night, but you know what? He's not a main scorer. I mean, he's probably he's the second scorer for this team behind Bradley Beal. But he still dropped 20 points, which is plenty, I would believe. You know, you get the supporting cast, like Ish Smith scoring 12. And as hot the uh, the bullets were going into this game, the Celtics were completely opposite of them, being completely cold heading into this game. So it's nice and refreshing to see the Celtics step up to the stage and bring their A game, which it def- definitely seemed like it was their A game here against the Bullets, avoiding the next play-in game between now the Bullets and the Pacers as the Pacers beat the Hornets, so the Hornets are out. I'm looking forward to, you know, what this playoff year has to come. Seriously, I mean, Celtics being the seventh seed shouldn't be there. They are. It is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. You can only bitch and complain about it for so long, which I have done plenty of times on this show. But we're in the playoffs nonetheless, which is the most important thing. And we will be playing the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. We will be visiting Kyrie. James Harden, and Kevin Durant. And it's going to be a best-of-seven series that starts on Saturday, May 22nd at 8 o'clock in Brooklyn. What do I expect from this team? Well, the Celtics went 0-3 against the Nets this year. I believe it was 0-3. How much can I really expect the Celtics to do uh, play against these Nets? How high, are my ex- How high are your expectations for this Celtics team? Now, I really hope that a bunch of the green teamers out there that love the Celtics think that there's nothing wrong with the Celtics are looking at the reality of this where they could easily get swept by the Nets. They could easily get absolutely torched by these Nets in four games. Luckily, it's a best of seven. So if you squeak out a win here and there, you're not looking too bad. Now, Kyrie, I would say, is a generally good playoff performer he hit that clutch shot in the Warriors uh, Cavaliers final series like five years ago Kevin Durant won two chips with the Warriors was injured last year so we won't know how's he gonna play without Steph Curry how's Kyrie gonna be without LeBron and then here comes James Harden from Houston where every year he chokes in the semi or the conference finals as good as those three are I still have question marks about their depth their bench possible role players because they traded a bunch of them away when they brought in James Harden. I mean, I still think the Nets are a fantastic team and everyone's picking them to make it out of the East and they 
easily could with that cast of starved talent, Kyrie, Durant, and Harden. But if they lose a game or two, whether it's to the Celtics or not, I mean, obviously they're playing the Celtics now, but let's say the next round or whatever, they could easily collapse because they're going to be pointing fingers. This is not how it's done. This is how I do it. And, you know, this is how we should be doing it. Da-da-da, pass me the ball, and then this, and then that. It's like you have three alpha dogs on that team. It can work, yes. It can work. But will it? When they face adversity and they face trouble, how are they going to respond? And can the Celtics give it to them? I don't, I just, I don't know. If they had Jalen Brown in the series, I'd feel a little bit more optimistic about it. But they don't. And obviously that's no one's fault. I'm not going to you know, blame Jalen Brown for not being able to play. But these are things you have to consider. They don't have their second best player, the Celtics, in Jalen Brown. And you can't expect Tatum to drop 50 points every night because on the other side, KD, Harden, or Kyrie could drop 50 points, and therefore that'd be a wash. Realistically, I don't know about these Celtics. Is Nets in six generous? Because I just I don't know if the Celtics can win. I really don't. And I'm trying to be optimistic and I'm trying to be positive about it because, you know what, we're in the playoffs. We won the playing game. Season The regular season was a little disappointing, but hey, clear mindset. Let's reset the whiteboard and then look ahead. Anything can happen in the playoffs. And that's generally true, but I think in the NBA playoffs where it's a little bit more rigged, and I'm not going to get into that now. I feel like that's a topic for another day because I do want to get into the Bruins in a few moments. But I don't know. I think the Celtics, I mean, not the Celtics, excuse me. I think the Nets in six, I think is generous for the Celtics. I think it's realistic. I could see the Nets in five. I don't think the Celtics will get sweeped. I don't think so. But no more than five or six games for the Nets. I think the Brooklyn Nets will take care of business. They're 28 and eight at home. Struggle a little bit more on the road at 20 and 16. Yeah, struggle, right? Celtics 21 and 15 at home, 15 and 21 away. The Nets have home court advantage. So let's just even hypothetically say the series goes seven games. The Nets will, by odds, walk away with the series, obviously, since they will have four games in their home arena and the Celtics will only have three. But I am looking forward to it. It's going to be interesting. Games one and two will definitely tell us a lot. Like I said, game one on Saturday, May 22nd at 8 p.m. Can't wait to talk about it as Monday's episode rolls around from Murph's Boston Sports Talk. But the Bruins. Can we transition to the Bruins, please? Because that game, I think, aged me a couple years. Holy smokes, that game was fantastic. Now, this game was something else. Bruins score first, Caps score, Bruins score, Caps score, and then the Capitals score early, not early, but like 12 or so minutes left in the third period, I believe. And then it's like, oh, you have all this. No, don't do this. You have this time, but these 12 minutes are going to go by so quick and scoring a goal in the National Hockey League is rather difficult. And then they do it. Then Taylor Hall nets a puck with like, I don't know, like two minutes to go in the third period to force overtime. Oh, it was a thing of beauty. The Bruins applied. 
most insane pressure I've seen, I think, in a long time. I know I kind of talked about their pressure a week or two ago, maybe. But this was something else. It felt like the puck was always in the Capitals' end. Every single possession felt like it was the Bruins in the Capitol net. Capitals had a couple scoring chances here in the third, but not nearly as many of the Bruins did. Let me go into some facts real quick. Patrice Bergeron scored a goal. Jake DeBrus scored his second goal of the series. Taylor Hall scored, and Brad Marchand scored as well for the Bruins. The Capitals, you had two goals from Garnett Hathaway and one from TJ Oshie. But Taylor Hall's big goal, he had seven shots on goal, by the way, which led the team, which it should. I think it should. I mean, he's a fantastic you know, player. He's a MVP caliber player, former MVP in this league. He can put the puck on the net. He can score. He's fancy. He's got these interesting moves. And she's like, hmm. Oh, my God. That pile up in front of Anderson, in front of the Capitals, uh, Capitals net, where it was just like Krejci, Smith, McAvoy comes flying in, getting pushed over. So that eliminate, um he was being pushed and hit the goalie so that eliminates goaltender interference. And then after the first initial shot, Taylor Hall swoops back around and just, you know, kind of kicks it under Anderson where his legs were open to score the uh, the game-tying goal. It was just, oh, my goodness. The energy was just through the roof. And then intermission for the overtime period. And then 39 seconds into OT, Bruins score. Brad Marchand nets a goal. You know, nice, clean little pass. I forget who it was from. I think it was, oh, it was from Matt Grizzlick. He had two assists that game, yes, and he... He was on the post-game interview for, you know, assisting on two goals. You know, Grizzly, you know, at the top, fakes a shot a little bit, passes it off to Marshan, and Marshan one times it passed Greg Anderson. Absolute thing of a beauty. Must win game. Game two was a must-win game. And I've talked about how game one was a must-win game, the way it played out. Game one was just the same. Obviously, being down 0-1 in the series, this game holds more weight than yet, uh, Game 1 did. But this winning this game, Game 2, stealing home ice from the Capitals, absolutely massive. You go back to Boston, tied 1-1. Capitals could easily steal it right back from you going up uh, 2-1, 3-1, you know, worst-case scenario. You could also go up 2-1 or even 3-1, where, uh, best-case scenario, right? A lot of things can change now that the series is tied 1-1. The series moves from best of seven to best of five with the first two games being decided one apiece. I'm super excited about this series. This series is living up to all expectations, I think, that everyone had going into it. The Capitals, the Bruins, you know, hockey. It's just pure, pure hockey from these two teams. Capitals still trying to play their game, but the Bruins in game two, I felt like adjusted and was able to shift the momentum of the game where they were able to play a little bit more of their style instead of having to catch up and change to the capital style you know that hitting that rough and rowdy that rah 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 that I mentioned in the in Monday's episode but the Bruins were able to kind of slow things down speed things up and play to their style as well which you know worked a lot in their favor because they kind of had to in order to at least tie this game, let alone win it. I don't know. The Capitals seemed like, you know, they kind of slipped up in this game. I think they had opportunities to go up 4-2 to two at plenty of points. 
earlier in the earlier in the game they had opportunities to score. I think Tuka Rask was very good, stopping 39 shots, uh, st- stopping 36 shots on 39 attempts, only giving up those three goals. And I was mentioning to Kim during the game is that there was oh no I mentioned this during the recording on Monday actually how Greg Anderson has like 20 shots through the um through the first period and then like you know we got to get this dude up into the 40s you have to pile on the shots you have to have to have to this dude is almost 40 years old he's played four games I guess now five games this whole year you have to apply the pressure on this guy you have to take advantage of the fact that their backup goalie is in their fourth goalie of the season is in you have to apply the pressure and I said that on Monday's episode episode 51 of Merce Boston Sports Talk oh I just hit my mic sorry I was also talking about to Kim after I was done recording those, you know, shot attempts go up into the 30s. And next thing you know, you're looking at low 40s. Bruins walk away with 48 shot attempts where Anderson saves 44, giving up uh, four goals. At that point, if you're going to shoot the puck almost 50 times, you have to win. You have to win. There's a dramatic difference between 48 shots and 39 shots. And I think any goalie will tell you that. I think the defense would also tell you that as well. When you're putting the puck on net almost 50 times, six from Bergeron, five from DeBrusque, seven from Hall, five from Marchand, four from Pasternak, five from McAvoy, you know, and then a bunch of other players having one or two or whatever. Those are games you have to win. And the Bruins buckled down. They laid the pipe and did it. And that was a tremendous game by the Bruins. That shows me hope confidence optimism faith that they can actually do this because at the beginning of the season uh the series excuse me i was on the edge could the bruins do it could they not the series could go both ways bruins kind of looking like they might be able to now that the series shifts back to boston and it's tied one to one a lot of things to look forward to in this series and i'm really excited for game three tonight in boston kim and i will be at a bar brewery pub something for the game i don't know but we are excited for the game. It is, I don't want to say it's a must win. Obviously, every game in the playoffs is a must win. But in comparison to game two, this game isn't as much as a must win. But it's still a crucial game, obviously, because it's game three of the playoffs and you're now at home and you have to win. So things I'm looking for in game three is the amount of intensity that the Bruins play with and the amount of pressure that they can get on Greg Anderson. I think if they can keep up that pressure, I don't know about 48 shots. I mean, holy smokes, that's crazy. But if they can get those shot numbers up into the 40s again and just keep slapping shots, even if you know they're going to be saved and there's nothing else developing on offense, it's just pounding the dude with the puck, making him work for it, getting him tired. He's 39 years old. I mean, just put the puck on the net. That's one thing I'm looking forward to in this game. Another thing? Slowing down the Capitals because the Capitals love to play, like I mentioned, that rough and rowdy, rah, 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 physical. I'm going to hit you into the boards. I'm going to you know knock you down. That's their play style. They have the players to do that. But I think if you can kind of play your style rather than their style, like the Bruins did in game two, especially in that third period, Bruins will have a significant advantage over them. And I really think that that's a major key to why they won this game, switching the way the momentum of the game because in game one you could easily tell that the capitals were playing their play style and it obviously showed up on the scoreboard as they won you played your play style and you could see it on the scoreboard as they won 
So being able to slow the game down but also speed it up at the same time, you know, avoid the hits or give them out when needed, I think is also going to be a major key along obviously taking the hits from the Capitals and, you know, giving it right back, making them work more for it than you are. And then third point I'm looking forward to is scoring. I mean, you have to be able to put the puck in the net in order to win the game. You're getting goals from those that should. Bergeron, Hall, Marchand. It'd be nice to see Krejci get one. Jake DeBrusque, excuse me, he's gotten two goals in two games, one in each. So it's nice to see him you know, picking up the scoring because he has struggled in the playoffs before last year. The cup run, even the year before, uh, when the Bruins lost to the Lightning, I believe. I don't know. I think it was in the semifinals, like two, uh, three years ago. So we've seen DeBrusque struggle in years past, but it's good to see him kind of maybe get some momentum to maybe play like that. Obviously, he's on the third line now, but like that second line winger that we thought he was going to be, maybe. But those are the three points that I'm looking forward to the most in this game. I'm really excited for the Bruins game tonight. I'm in such a good mood because the Bruins are playing tonight. Series tied 1-1. The Celtics won the playing game. I mean, you know how I feel about the playing game, seriously. And I'm not going to talk about the Red Sox, though. They lost the the Blue Jays 8-0, I think it was. Let me just look it up real quick. I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah, they lost to them 8-0 last night. Quick standing check. They are half a game up on the Blue Jays for first place, and... Oh my goodness, one game up on the Rays and a game and a half up on the Yankees. Holy smoke, that division is good. That division is good. Might be the best division in baseball. Just quickly scrolling through, uh, I would say so, so far. I mean, Orioles are only seven games out. Seems like it's a tremendous long shot for the Orioles at this point, but it's only seven games out. Like I, I mentioned on a few podcast episodes ago, if you're within six, seven, eight games out, you're still in it. You really are still in it. But I'm not going to talk about the Red Sox because playoff basketball, playoff hockey is here, and the Red Sox season is long and tedious. I could talk about the Celtics game in and game out, but I don't really know if that's what you guys like. But definitely let me know on social media at Murphs underscore Boston ST, where the ST stands for sports talk. And you're, if you're listening or watching on YouTube, definitely comment down below. If you want me to talk more about the Red Sox, you know, games here and games there, whenever I'm recording and the Sox play the night before or whatever i'll gladly gladly talk about it but i'd rather talk about the red sox in bunches here and there because from talking about them one day to the next episode of the show not much could change but i mean when you lose six to five to the angels on sunday and then eight to nothing to the blue jays you know losing these games is going to catch up to you especially when the division is so tight and close but we'll definitely talk more about the red sox on friday's edition Hopefully, we'll have some good news to talk about in regards to the Bruins. Hopefully, potentially winning Game 3 tonight. And the Celtics-Nets preview as well. Not much to talk about the Patriots. Obviously, it's the middle of their offseason. Rookie camp is underway, though. Mac Jones, maybe future of the quarterback for the Patriots. Who knows? But we'll have to wait and see on that. We have plenty of time to tell. But yes, Celtics won 118-100 last night, beating the Wizards the Bullets in the play-in game. Bruins, Capitals, Game 3 tonight at the Garden in Boston. And the Red Sox will be back in Toronto for Game 2 of their little three-game series up north in Canada. First pitch at 737. But guys, girls, everybody out there, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. 
Thank you so much for joining me. As it is Monday, we are halfway through the week, as the locals like to call it, hump day. Until the next episode on Friday. But between now and then, you know I love you, and I will. See ya. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.